mistakes, but you have new mercy for me every day. Your love never fails. Singer, you stay. church. What a beautiful day to serve the Lord. Would you stand with us this morning? We are in the remarkable series. We are talking about the life of Jesus. Why he came here is to fight our battle. Sing along with me right here. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory.
Well, good morning and welcome to Harmony. I want to thank you for joining us in person and online, wherever you're at. We are thrilled that you are with us today, and uh, we've got some exciting things that we want to share with you a little bit later in the service. Uh, we baptized uh, several people last week uh, in our services, and we're going to be presenting them uh, with certificates uh, today that's a little bit closer to the end of the service. So if you were baptized last week and uh, you want to get your certificate, uh, just be ready for that a little bit later in the service. Um, also, if you're visiting with us today, uh, we want to thank you for being here and being a part of uh, our service today, whether it's your first time online or if it's your first time in person, we have a gift that we would love to give to you. So if you would contact us uh, immediately following the service or if you're online right now, uh, just go ahead and let us know and we will send that gift out to you. Uh, you can reach us on Messenger. Uh, you can fill out a Connect card through downloading our app. Uh, and uh, get that information to us. If you are in person, uh, just come out to the Connection Center on your way out today, and we'd love the opportunity to connect with you uh, out there and be able to share uh, more about uh, what's taking place at Harmony and how we can serve you and learn more uh, about you. Well, there's a lot going on today that I want to ask you to uh, pray for. Uh, some families I want to ask you to keep uh, in your prayers. Uh, just received word uh, that we need to pray for the, the Case family. Uh, David Case uh, works in the classroom with Carolyn Galbraith on a, a daily basis. Uh, he uh, passed away uh, this weekend. Uh, so please pray uh, for that family. Please, please pray for Carolyn uh, that, that God would be with her and strengthen her. I want to ask you to pray, pray for the Alexander family. Uh, Matt Alexander's uh, about 32, 33 years old. Uh, he was one of the FedEx employees uh, that lost his life uh, earlier this week. And uh, his father, Brad Alexander, uh, now that we've connected all the dots, we know them. And uh, Joetta Smith works with them. They've been a longtime uh, family in our community. And uh, want you to pray for the Alexander family, that God would be with them and comfort them. I'm asking you to pray for the Lynch family, uh, that, that God will comfort them and uh, be with them uh, during uh, their time of, of loss and uh, during the service today for uh, their uh, son, grandson, uh, Chase uh, Andrew Lynch. Uh, that'll be at the fairgrounds today. So please pray uh, for these uh, families that are, that are walking through difficulty. I know that there are many others uh, that are, are dealing with loss and pain. They're, they're dealing with hurt. Uh, we want to pray for them um, because we believe that prayer makes a difference. And, and I want to encourage you uh, each and every week as you get an email and it's the prayer list, pray for the people that are on that list. When you see someone here uh, and, and that maybe a week later they're not here, pray for them that God would be with them. We never know what's going on uh, in somebody's life and they, they definitely uh, can use uh, prayers. So, so let's pray for uh, one another as we're going throughout our week. Today we're going to continue our series entitled Remarkable, and we're just talking about the life of Jesus from the book of Mark, and today we're going to talk about how we can move our life from being ordinary to extraordinary. And you and I can't do it on our own as much as we would like to. We, we can't do it on our own, but we can do it with God's help, and that's what we're talking about today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, then we're going to sing a couple more songs, and then we'll jump into that series as we continue it today. Father, we come to you today, and Lord, we ask you, Lord, to hear our prayers. Lord, for these families that are hurting, the ones that are grieving. Father, the things that are taking place here in this service today. Lord, the events that are, that are coming up, the Grief Share class that we're bringing back in, in early May, the opportunities to serve people with that. Father, the Man Church event with uh, Rich Wingo that, that's coming up on uh, Sunday evening, May 23rd, another incredible night for men to come together and, and realize our purpose in you. Father, I, I just ask that you will work in all of these things before they, they get here, and, and Father, that you prepare us. But Lord, uh, for this moment, for this day that uh, we find ourselves in, Lord, I just ask that you go before us. I ask that you hear our prayers, that you comfort hearts, that you encourage, that you strengthen. Lord, that you be with the, the Leak family. Lord, that you continue to, to be with uh, the Manette family and take care of Leon and, and bring healing in his life. Lord, we just ask that you, you do all the things, Father. And Lord, that we ask that, that we would give you praise and recognize you for who you truly are. Lord, we thank you for all that you do and for all that you are. And God, please work in our hearts and lives today. And when we leave this place in just a little while, God, may we leave it with a greater hope than what we came in with. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. 
Amen. Would you stand with us one more time? Part of going from ordinary to extraordinary is letting God work because he does great things. As we sing this song, sing from the heart this morning. Lift up his name in praise. Come, let us worship. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at his feet. He has done great His love overcomes, he has done great things, he has done great things. Oh, he will welcome, you conquer the grave, you free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. loved me enough to send his son to die for my sins, that I could know him and have a future in heaven. I am redeemed. I hope you can sing this song from your heart this morning. If not, you can take this step today to go from unredeemed to redeemed, to go from ordinary to extraordinary. Sing this with me. Seems like all I could see was the struggle. Haunted by ghosts that lived in my past. Bound up in shackles of this gonna last? Then you look 
Awesome worship this morning. You may be seated. consider to be remarkable? If I were just to ask you, what is remarkable? What do you say is remarkable? Maybe someone or something comes to your mind. I would say that remarkable is a perfect life, followed by a brutal death, being buried in a borrowed tomb only to rise again on the third day. How many of you would agree that's pretty remarkable? I mean, when you think about it, that's absolutely remarkable. It's unique. It's one of a kind. It can't be duplicated. It's never been duplicated, and it's never going to be duplicated. I just gave you the story of Jesus, the, the life of Jesus. And, and if I were to ask you what is remarkable, some of you could think of a remarkable person, a remarkable situation, a remarkable circumstance where, where you would say, man, it was just absolutely amazing. It was distinct. It was different, and it stood out. And because of that, we remember it. When Mark was writing the story of Jesus, the, the life of, of Jesus, he was writing it in, in a time where, where people that had witnessed the life of Jesus were, were still among the living. The, the people that had, had witnessed his brutal death and, and his glorious resurrection, they, they were still there. They were still moving about in the community in the cities around Jerusalem. 
And when Mark begins to tell us about the remarkable life of Jesus, here's one of the things that he does. He just kind of gives us a, a picture of Jesus, a picture of his story, and he just throws it out there. And over and over and over, here's what we get. We get Jesus unfiltered. We get Jesus just, just put out there, and, and we see Jesus just as he is. And last week when we kicked off the, the series, Remarkable, the story of Jesus. We talked about making room for Jesus. And, and Mark's gospel starts off in Mark chapter 1. And, and here's literally what happens. John the Baptist comes on the scene and he says, look, we're going to go ahead and prepare the way for the king because there's one that is coming. And we talked about how in that day, that literally meant that, that when we're going to prepare the paths and make them straight, we're making room for the king that was to visit the king that was to come. And the people of that day would have known it. So John just jumps right in and says, look, there's a king that's coming and we need to make room and his name is Jesus. And, and John was saying, just like you would get life in the city ready for a, a physical king that was coming, a, a ruler that was gonna come and visit, we need to prepare for this one that we call Jesus. And we talked about making room. We talked about getting our life Put in a place where there's room for Jesus. We didn't talk about you and I trying to get better so that Jesus would love us or so that Jesus would accept us or, or so that Jesus would eventually get around to us. No, we just talked about making room. And sometimes we, we question Jesus. Sometimes we, we look at Jesus and, and the life of Jesus and, and maybe we're a little skeptical of it. But you know what John was saying? John was saying, look, you've tried to be good enough. You've tried your traditions. You've tried religion. Now why don't we get rid of all of that junk? Let's get rid of all of that stuff and make room for a relationship with Jesus, the one who's come to make a difference. Then we talked about making room for Jesus helps us make the Father proud. Because just a few verses down, we see Jesus getting baptized by John. And when you read Matthew and you read Luke, there's, there's almost this argument going back and forth. Jesus is going, John, baptize me. And John's like, no way, I'm not going to baptize you. I know who you are. Other people may not know, but I know who you are. And Jesus is like, John, baptize me. And John's like, no, Jesus, I don't need to baptize you. I'm not worthy to baptize you. And finally, Jesus is like, look, I'm going to win the argument, all right? You know who I am, you, you've said that, so just go ahead and baptize me. John baptizes him, and all of a sudden there's this voice from heaven. There's a, a dove that lights on Jesus, and he comes, and it's significant of the Holy Spirit descending. And a voice that says, this is my beloved son, this is my one and only son, and I'm proud of him. Jesus was baptized and he was saying, look, this is what I've come to do. I've come to give my life. I've come to be married. I've come to rise again. Jesus gives us a picture of baptism, a picture of, of what it's really all about, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus long before it would take place. And the father says, look, he's being obedient to my plan. I'm, I'm proud of him. We talked about how sometimes we want to make the father proud. We want to make our earthly father proud and we want to make our heavenly father proud and, and we try and do things and maybe we try and get attention but, but the reality is this, to make our heavenly father proud all, all we have to do is just be obedient and we just ask ourselves the question, what do I need to do today to follow him? What do I need to do to make him proud? And then we wrapped it all up with ju just the, the simple thought of what strength are we relying on? Who are we looking to to, to be the source of our strength to be our hope. You see, Jesus went out and he was tempted in the wilderness and he faced Satan, which was a picture of the struggles of life and life to come. The battles that we would face and the things that we would fight and, and the opportunities that we would have to rely on the strength of the Father. And, and here's what takes place. Jesus gives us a picture of how we survive the difficult times of life. And can I just say right now that there's been some difficult times in our life, right? The past week, we look at the lives across our nation. There's people that are, are going through difficulty. We look at our community, people going through difficulty. And, and the scripture says that Jesus was out and he was tempted by Satan and he was surrounded by wild beasts. And, and we said last Sunday that the wild beast reference was, was very like 
the Christian living in that day because Nero would often surround Christians with literal wild beasts and cause them to fend for themselves. And, and we talked about how in the midst of that, we have to rely on the strength of God to get us through. Well, now today, we, we look at, at Jesus beginning to call people to follow him. And we look at ordinary people that move from ordinary to extraordinary. If I asked you to define ordinary this morning, if I said, what is ordinary to you? Some of you could give me a, a picture of an ordinary life. And, and for some, you would say, I'm ordinary. I, I go to work every day. I, I, I go to a, a subdivision, and, and that's where I live. And, and a lot of the houses are, are like mine, and we, we all kind of drive the, the same style of vehicles, and, and we just kind of have an ordinary life. I mean, we just blend in. That, that's where our, our, our life is, and we would say it's ordinary. Well, I'm not talking about ordinary from a, a status standpoint. I'm talking about ordinary from a, a standpoint of people just like you and me, people from different walks of life, people that weren't perfect, people that didn't st stand out to everybody else in the gathering, but, but here's the reality. They stood out to Jesus, and Jesus took their life, and he moved them from ordinary to extraordinary. And today, for just a few moments, we're going to talk about Jesus, this remarkable life, and how he took some ordinary people, and he left their life with this description, they were remarkable. Well, let's take a look at Mark chapter 1 and verse number 14. Here's what we're going to discover. Mark chapter 1, verse number 14, it says this. Now, after John was put in prison, see, John didn't last very long. He baptizes Jesus. Now he's put in prison. Some other things took place between there, but, but not much. It says, now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. He's preaching the good news. When you see the, the gospel, it's, it's meaning good news of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Believe in the good news. It says this, verse number 16, it says, and as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. It says they immediately, immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired servants and went after him. Now, when we take a look at Jesus, here's what we're going to discover, right? When, when we begin to talk about making room for this Jesus in our life, we, we pick up where we left off last week, and, and this concept of making room for Jesus in our life is not as hard as, as what we think, because here's what we discover in this passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 1, in those verses we just read, uh, beginning in verse number 14, on down through verse number 20. Here's what we discover in those few verses. One of the things that we discover is Jesus is going about the everyday life, and he's telling people about the good news, and he's telling them about a relationship. And in the midst of that, we get a description, and here's what we get a description of. And I want you to remember this. In Mark chapter 1, we learn that Jesus walks among the ordinary. Right? You don't have to be an extraordinary person to get the attention of Jesus. So let's just walk down through here. Let's just get interested in who Jesus cares about and what Jesus cares about. Jesus is interested in the ordinary life. Jesus is interested in the ordinary locations. Jesus has a heart for ordinary places. We often think that you have to be someone spectacular. You already have to be extraordinary to get the attention of Jesus. Here's what we talked about last Sunday. Remember? While, while everybody else was in the temple and they had their garb and they had their tradition and they had their outfits, here's John the Baptist, right? He's way behind fashion. The Bible says he's dressed in camel's hair and a, a crude leather belt, okay? That's, that's what it was. So, so it's a, a makeshift leather belt. He's lacking a little fashion sense. Anybody know somebody that's lacking a little fashion sense? Please don't point them out, right? That's not what I'm asking you to do. Here, here's, the, here's the truth. He, he's, he's what people would say is way below ordinary because of the appearance. Isn't it amazing sometimes that we only see the outward 
We only see the exterior. We only see the circumstance that's, that's visible to, to the eye. But when we look at, at what Jesus does, Jesus walks among the ordinary. I wonder how our life would be, would be different if we began to just appreciate the ordinary. If we would learn to, to walk slowly through a crowd as, as Jesus did, if we would learn that when we're walking among the ordinary, we're liable to find someone and something that's absolutely unusual and absolutely extraordinary. Because that's what Jesus did, and we're going to talk about that in, in just a moment. Jesus walks among the ordinary. In fact, when we go through and we look at all of Scripture, here's what we're going to find. We're going to find that from beginning to end, God uses the ordinary. Do you know what stuck out about, about Noah? It wasn't that he had an incredible house and came from a perfect family. Do you know what it was? He was an ordinary man that believed in an extraordinary God. That's what separated him from, from everybody else. It wasn't an income level. It wasn't the status. It wasn't because he had three sons who, who would, would be perfect uh, people in, in their neighborhood and in their setting. Because when we read about them, we know that that's not the truth about any of them. It, it's not the truth about Noah. Noah found grace in the sight of God. Why? Because he had a heart for God. It wasn't because he lived in the right neighborhood. It wasn't because he worked at the right location. It was because he had a heart for God. We began to, to go down through. Abraham, Abraham was a man of wealth, right? But do you know what Abraham had that other people around him didn't have in that day and age? He had a heart for God. He had a heart to move and, and do what God asked him to do. Over and over and over, we're going to discover that God walks among the ordinary. He goes to ordinary places. He goes to ordinary people. And here's what you're going to see, that he does some absolutely incredible things. That passage says this, he walked by the Sea of Galilee. That word walk means to conduct yourself in such a way. That's going to become important in just a, a little while. So, so remember that. That word walk, it means to conduct oneself, to regulate one's life. It, it means to, to set our life up and, and, and to follow an example, a pattern in our everyday living. He walked where? He walked by the Sea of Galilee. If you look through the New Testament, do you know what you're going to find over and over and over? The Sea of Galilee. You're going to find storms on the Sea of Galilee. You're going to find miracles on the Sea of Galilee. You're going to find crowds around the Sea of Galilee. It was an ordinary, common place in the day of Jesus. Do you know what you're going to find at the, the Sea of Galilee? You're going to find some fear. You're going to find some people in need. You're going to see Jesus moving among the ordinary. It's an ordinary place. If you were to go there today in that region, guess what? People go there to see it because it's mentioned in the Bible. That's why they go there to see it. It's not a huge port of entry. It's not a big place of international influence. It's an ordinary place that's mentioned in the scripture. And here's what made it extraordinary. And here's why people go to this day to see it. Because Jesus did something there. Outside of that, there's not much of a reason to visit, to go, to see what it's about. Ordinary place. Jesus walked there. What did he see? He saw people working. He saw fishermen taking care of their nets, cleaning their nets, making repairs after an, an early morning and a night of, of working. They're mending their nets. They're taking care of, of, of their nets. And, and it's Simon whose name is Little Pebble, which tells us, okay, he's just this little stone, nothing significant. He is ordinary. We see his, his brother, Andrew. They're there. They're having a conversation. And what are they? They are fishermen. Do you know what fishermen were in, in that day? Fishermen were, were, were like assembly line workers in, in our day. Lots of them. Lots of them. We, we could say that, that they were commonplace people. Now, did this group own some boats? Yeah. They had to. They were fishermen. Did, did they work with some other people and did they go to, to market? Yes, they did. But, but they were ordinary people. There were plenty of, of others around them. Jesus walks among 
the ordinary. And some of us today would like our life to move from ordinary to extraordinary, but we have trouble believing that God could take our life and do something with it because we think we're ordinary. Can I tell you today that when we look at Jesus starting the earthly ministry, setting out and starting his life, he didn't go to the extraordinary place. He went to the ordinary place and he walked among the ordinary. Ordinary places, ordinary people, Jesus would live his life among. But do you know what else is there? It's just ordinary circumstances. Nothing spectacular. Nothing that the primetime news is, is going to cover from a, a standpoint of being out of the, the ordinary. It's, it's every day. Let, let me ask you something. How, how many of you have an everyday routine? Yeah. You're just in the, in the midst of routine. Some of you do, so some, some of you don't. That, that, that's fine. Here, here's, here's the thing. We would say, yeah, we've, we've got that routine that we do. I, I mean, some of you think you don't have a routine. Some of you are like, I'm my own person. But the first thing you do when you get out of bed in the morning, if somebody tracked it for a week, you would find out you've got an incredible routine. You're just not willing to admit it, right? I mean, you got the same coffee, the same cup, the, the, the same creamer, the same sugar, whatever it might be. You have the same thing for breakfast. You, you do the, the exact same thing. You, you've got the, the, the routine down. You've been balancing your checkbook for, for the last 40 years the same way, the same day of the month, but, but you're, you're, you don't have a routine. And some of you are going, what's a checkbook, and, and why do we balance that? I've, I've never seen one of those. Back in the day, it was a little register you, you, you took, and you had a, a routine, right? Here, here's a reality. Sometimes our routine, our circumstances, the things that we do, they're, they're so ordinary, they're so ingrained in us, we would look and say, I don't even have much of a routine. But, but here's the reality. We've all got a routine. We've all got some things that, that we do. And here's where Jesus shows up. He shows up in the everyday circumstances, in the ordinary of our life. And one of the reasons that, that we often miss out on what Jesus wants us to do and what Jesus has for us isn't because we're bad people. It's because we think we're so ordinary that God could never do anything in, in, in our life. And all the while, he's walking by and he's calling out our name as we're going to see. And, and, and the problem is we're so busy and so crowded with other things that we don't necessarily hear him or respond to him. Jesus is walking, and he's regulating his life. Remember that word walk. Regulating his life, he's conducting himself for the mission of the Father. What happens? Jesus sees potential in the ordinary. It says as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. What does he, he do? He looks at him, and he sees potential in the ordinary. Jesus saw Simon, and he saw Andrew. We go a little bit further. It says, and he went a little bit further from there, and it says in verse number 19, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. Why? Because they were fishermen. Let me ask you a question. What did, what did Jesus see in them? It's a pretty good question to, to think about and, and begin to just walk through because we, we look at all the passages of the, of the scripture where, where this account is, is recorded and where we learn about what Jesus is up to and he's walking through and he's picking people that, that are going to be followers and he's calling them out and, and, and it's kind of like one of those things. Uh, who, who do I... I, I, I think has some potential and and why would I pick them and and maybe you and I would like to know the answer to that but here's a reality the only thing that the scripture tells us that Jesus saw in Simon who would go on to be Peter and preach a message on the day of Pentecost where thousands would come to know Christ but prior to that he denied Jesus. He told Jesus over and over and over, look, you don't know what you're talking about. It's not going to unfold that way. James and John, do you know what the scriptures call them? The sons of thunder. That's not necessarily a complimentary name. 
They, they were rough characters. Do, do, you know what, do you know what Jesus saw in them? Jesus said, look, you're fishermen, but if you follow me, I will make you to become fishers of men. You know what Jesus saw in them? They could become more. They could become more. Here's the reality. Every one of us could become more. And the minute that we think we, we can't become more, do you, you know what we're doing? We're, we're setting ourselves up to, to stay right where we are. And, and that become more, uh, I could never become more. Maybe we think we've arrived, right? That's a dangerous spot to be. Or, or we think, wow, there's no way I could ever become more. We're, we're saying, look, I may be made in the image of God, but God can't do much with me. I want to tell you something. We're all made in the image of God, and God can do extraordinary things with ordinary people because you are made in his image. And here's the truth for you today. We all can become more because Jesus died for you and for me so that we could become more. God created us in his image so that we could become more. The question is, are we willing to become more? What did he see? What did he see in Andrew and Peter and James and John that, that would say, look, they can become more, and, and we're just pulling them out? Don't know exactly, but we know he saw the potential to become more. And I know this, that same potential is inside each and every one of us. The question is, are we willing to become more? He said, you can become more. Now, what does Jesus do from there? He walks among the ordinary. He sees the potential. He just sees people who could be more. I didn't say do more. And, and, and you'll notice he doesn't say do more. He says people that could become. Some of us are, are busy trying to have an extraordinary life by doing more. And can I tell you this? Doing more does not cause you to become more. Doing more means you're more busy. And you might be more busy with the wrong thing and not the right thing that God has for you. Do you know what God wants all of us to do? He wants us to become more because become more, it's an inside job. It's a, a movement in our life that takes us from, from where we are on the inside and begins to move us forward and set us up, not to do more, but, but to be more. Big difference. So what does Jesus do after that? Jesus moves the ordinary to extraordinary. How does, how does he do that? How does he take ordinary people and begin to make extraordinary people out of them? It says, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, commonplace, he sees Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Common people, common profession, right? We know that. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Do you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, look, I will make you to become fishers of men. What, what's this he do? Jesus said, I will move you from a temporary purpose to an eternal purpose. Do you know what we need in order to move from ordinary to extraordinary? We need a greater purpose. Do you know what Jesus was saying? Jesus was saying, Simon, Andrew, would you leave a life where you're living for yourself and start living for me? Would you leave a life where, where your purpose is only to, to get something for the day, take it to the market and sell it and feed yourself and feed your family and pay a few bills? Would you leave that life and start becoming fishers of men? I can take you from something that is temporary to something that is eternal. That is a greater purpose. Do you know what following Jesus entails? Right? He says, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. That, that word follow, it, it means to, to do exactly what it says, just follow, right? That the, the concept of, of follow him, he says, come now. He says, I don't, I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to think about it. I don't want you to, to get to it sometime when, when you think you can. I want you to follow me, and I want you to do it now. There's a sense of urgency. He says, now is the time to follow me. Now is the time to become 
more. He walks a little bit further. He, he sees James and John, and he gives them the same invitation. He says, now is the time to follow me. Now is the time to become more. Jesus was not one of these, hey, let's put it off, and we'll become more later down the road. Jesus wasn't one of these that, that's saying, hey, you get your life together. You go off to college. You, you get everything straightened out. And then you come and follow me. I want you to understand that Jesus is walking by and he's seeing young people, right? These guys are not senior citizens. These guys are teenagers. And they're there. And they're willing and ready to follow Jesus. And they do it immediately. One of the things that, that we see in the life of Jesus and moving people from ordinary to extraordinary is he called them to a greater purpose. You see, when we begin to follow him, we're, we're following a greater purpose. We're following one who has a plan to move us from the temporary to the eternal. You know, I, I think three things get in, get in our way sometimes of following Jesus a, a little bit more and moving from ordinary to extraordinary. And there's just three simple things, and, and here they are, our careers, our connections, and our comforts. I want you to, to realize, Jesus called them from their career, he called them from their connection, and he called them from their comforts. They, they, they said, look, if you really want to follow me, here, here's, here's what you need to do. You need to be willing to move from a career to a calling. You need to be willing to move from those connections to a calling. You need to be willing to move from your comfort to a calling. It was a part of their becoming more. It was a part of their life becoming centered on Jesus and who he is. Am I telling everybody today that in order to be used by God and to move your life from ordinary to extraordinary that you got to leave your career? No. That's not what I'm saying, and that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus meets them, and he says, would you follow me? And would you focus more on reaching men and women with the truth of the gospel than your paycheck? Would you follow me and focus more on making new connections rather than letting the connection of your family and the business and tradition keep you right where you are? Would you follow me and, and get rid of the comforts? Because when you read about James and John, it says that they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired servants. Would you leave the comforts of life? Would you leave some things that are certain? And would you be willing to follow me and let me make you more. You see, we move from ordinary to extraordinary, not by getting things together ourselves and not by trying to do more ourselves. We move from ordinary to extraordinary and we begin to have the life that Jesus is calling all of us to because there's potential inside every heart and life today. And it begins by following him. It begins by allowing him to call us from a career to his calling, that greater purpose to follow him. Do you know what? They all followed Jesus and they played some different roles. They all followed Jesus and they played some different roles. Andrew didn't write a book in the Bible, but Peter did. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they, they, they weren't people that we would look at and, and say, hey, they did the most in all of Scripture. But their name was on quite a bit. We began to look and we write the stories of their lives and, and we read them. And we discover they followed him and God used them in different ways. You know what? God is still in that business today. When we follow him, he'll use us. If we want to move from an ordinary life to an extraordinary, if we're tired of the mundane, if, if we have a longing to become more, do you know who put that 
longing there? God. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. He can take what we think is ordinary and, and he can allow it to become extraordinary. Jesus walked among the ordinary. Jesus sees potential in the ordinary, in ordinary people, in ordinary places. He sees potential. And he walks by. And he calls them and he says, would you leave that boat? And the Bible says, immediately. And again, it says, immediately. They, they said, yeah, we'll, we'll leave the nets. James and John said, we'll, we'll leave the nets. We'll, we'll leave the boats. We'll leave the family fishing business. We'll leave the hired servants. We'll leave the comforts of life. And we will follow you. Let, let me ask you something. What do you need to move from right now to become more of what God wants you to be? Because ultimately, that, that's what the story is with Simon and Andrew, with James and John. It's about them moving from something to something that God had for them. What do you need to move from today to so that you're becoming the more that Jesus has designed you to become? When we look at the story of Jesus walking among them and calling his early disciples. He wasn't picking perfect people, but he did see some potential in them. And the Bible says that they left their nets immediately. Immediately. Immediately is a word that's used in, in Mark more than 40 times in 16 chapters. It's a lot. Mark put a great value on that word, immediately. There was a sense of urgency. Let, let me ask you something. Is, is there a sense of urgency for Jesus in your life? Is there a sense of urgency to follow him? Is there a sense of passion to, to, to follow him and to say, look, this is what I want to do. I want to follow. I want to follow Jesus. I just want to come along and, and, and follow him. Follow him means to believe. Follow him means to trust. Follow him means to, to go where he goes and, and to do what he is willing to do to do you say John you're talking about Simon and you're talking about Andrew you're talking about James and John I've heard some things about some of their stories in in scripture and I could never I could never be extraordinary if that's what extraordinary takes I want to give you three simple things real quick as to how Jesus can make you extraordinary First thing is to follow him. How can Jesus make my life extraordinary? I want to tell you something. Your extraordinary life doesn't begin with a raise. It doesn't begin with a promotion. You're not going to found it and find it in, in, in that spouse or, or, or that one that you're searching for. Not, not going to happen. An extraordinary life begins when you begin to follow Jesus. When you come to a place where you say, look, my life is not what it needs to be. I've been living for self because that's where Andrew and Peter and James and John were. They were living a life that was focused on self and their self was not enough. Jesus said, I can move you from an everyday purpose that's just like everyone else. I can move you from there to a greater purpose. But first, you got to follow me. They wasted no time. Today, I would encourage you, waste no time. If you don't know Christ, if you've not put your faith in him, if you've not said, look, I know my life is not perfect, I know I'm a sinner and I need a savior, if you've not done that, do that. An extraordinary life begins with following Jesus. Follow him. Don't wait. Follow him. The second thing is to walk with him. You see, the scripture kind of reads this way. They immediately left their nets in verse number 18 and followed him. And when he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the, the son of, of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them. He said, hey, come, come away from that. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired servants and went after him. Do, do you know what you need to do? You need to follow him. You need to walk with him. 
What's the difference between following and, and walking? Follow is to believe. Follow is to trust. Follow is to say, look, I'm going to follow you. But to walk is to make it a part of your everyday life. To conduct yourself as Jesus conducted himself. To coordinate and regulate your life around his principles. That, that's how we have an extraordinary life. It's not by being perfect. It's by doing what Jesus calls us to. It's by regulating our life, conducting ourselves around the principle of Jesus. That's how we get an extraordinary life. We walk with him. We follow him. But it becomes really extraordinary when we get down to this because whether we like it or not, this is what we're made for. We move others to follow him and walk with him. And some of us are following. We've trusted him. We believe. And some would even say we're walking, we're, we're conducting ourselves around the principles of Jesus, but that one last thing, moving other people to follow him and moving other people to walk with him, that's really uncomfortable. Do you remember what Jesus called Simon and Andrew and James and John from? He called them from their careers. He called them from their connections. He called them from their comforts. And he said, I will make you fishers of men. You want to move from ordinary to extraordinary? Follow him. Walk with him and move others to follow him and walk with him. Let me ask you this today. What are you waiting on? What do you need to do to move from ordinary to extraordinary? Is it to follow? Is it to walk? Is it to move others to follow and to walk with him? You know what you need to do today. Take that step. Would you pray with me with heads bowed and eyes closed before we go to prayer? I would ask you today, are you certain that you know Christ as your Savior? Are you certain that there's been a time in your life where you've said, look, I know that I've sinned. I know that my life is not perfect. And, and on this day, at this moment, right here, right now, wherever you are, in this room or watching online, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Today, if you've never said, Jesus, I will follow you, I believe and I will respond. Today, I want to encourage you to do that. And here's how you do it. You simply say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And the best I know how, I'm trusting you to be my savior. And Jesus, I'm, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. Some would say, is, is that it? It's a matter of our heart. It's not so much in getting a wording right. It's not so much in saying a prayer. It's about humbling ourselves and saying, look, I know I'm not perfect, but Jesus, I believe that you are the answer, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And today, if you'll put your faith and hope and trust in him in that way, he will do that for you. He will be your savior. Maybe you're here today and you say, John, I've already followed him. I already believe. But I need, I need to walk with him. I need to go a little bit further with Jesus than just following. I need to start walking with him day in and day out. Maybe that, that's you today. You would say, that's my prayer. That's what I need to do. If that's your prayer, we want to pray with you and for you. We'll do that in just a moment. Maybe... Maybe you would say, John, I need to focus on moving other people to walk with him. You see, the, the story doesn't play out, but I think that Peter and Andrew were right there with them. And I think as they followed him, they were following him early, and they're going to be following him throughout the rest of the stories that we read about the life of Jesus. They were walking with him. Simon and Andrew, they, they went a little bit further when it says Jesus went a little further, they went a little further. They helped move James and John. As they said, hey, we, we're following him. We left our nets. Will you leave yours? 
Maybe today that's what we need to do. Encourage people to move, to walk with him, to follow him. Whatever your need might be, today I'm going to ask you to do that. If you need to know Jesus, pray a simple prayer as I pray right now. Dear Jesus, we come to you today and we just ask that if there's one here that needs you as their Savior, that they would pray a simple prayer just like this. Dear Jesus, the best I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and I'm believing that you will save me. Jesus, help me to learn more about you and help me to grow and become what you want me to be in this new relationship. If you prayed a prayer like that, you're a part of the family of God. Maybe your prayer needs to be something like this. Jesus, I already know you as my Savior, but Jesus, today I want to get serious about walking with you, about helping other people move from just sitting by and doing the routine things of life to following you, to walking with you, and moving others to live for you. Lord, help us to live out that life. Help us to see those truths. Lord, we, we need you. And right now in our culture, in our world, our nation, our community, we need Christ followers who will follow you, who will walk with you, and who will move others to do that very same thing. So Lord, I ask that you would help us to do that today. For it is in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. I want to thank you for gathering with us today. At this time, if you were baptized on last Sunday, I want you just to come around to, to this side over here. AJ is, is coming around with some of the children. And if you would uh, just hop up and, and, and come around to this side, we've got some certificates uh, that are right down here. Uh, and we are going to present those at this time. We're going to bring the, the little ones on up. And uh, we are going to present those certificates to them, and uh, we're, we're going to bring the, the not-so-little ones on up as, as well. All right. All right, today we have Evan Schaefer. Evan, you followed Christ in Believer's Baptism, and we are proud of you. Here is your certificate. Congratulations. Let's give him a round of applause. Let's celebrate that. All right. How about this young lady, Kaya Runkles? You have trusted Christ as your Savior. You followed, believers, followed him in believer's baptism. Let me ask you this. Were you a little nervous that your dad might hold you under just a little longer? You were. <laughs> he would never do that. Let's give him a round of applause. All right, we've got some more uh, that, that we're going to uh, pass out. Uh, we've got some that are, are going to go ahead and, and uh, come on up at this time. And uh, Nancy and, and Pam, Marianne, come on up. All right, Nancy Lewis. I, I love this. You, you know, please take this in the right way. Most, a lot of children are baptized really early in life. And statistics tell us that when we get a little bit older in life, we don't necessarily follow him in believer's baptism. You stepped out of that and you did that and we are thrilled. All right, that is absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pam Barlow, same story, same situation. Thank you for that. We are thrilled that you made that decision to follow Christ and go with it publicly. All right? That is awesome. And last week I tried, and it was a big fail according to you. So I'm just going to go ahead. I mean, I was really proud. I thought I was like that close to pronouncing it right. But this week we're going with Marianne. All right? That is your English name. We are proud of you, and uh, we love you, and we're glad to have you a part of our church family. Let's give them all a round of applause. Hey, AJ's going to stay right here. He's going to close this in, in uh, prayer real quick. Do we have a, a can we get, yeah, I, I would, usually when he's in here, he has a, a mic, and I just said that, so I'm sorry, I just threw the tech team off. Uh, I didn't mean uh, to do that, but 
we need to know that you're praying because we haven't heard you pray in a long time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Every now and then, that's exactly right. We'll know that he's prayed at least once in a couple of months. But uh, anyway, he's going to close us in prayer today. If you're visiting with us today, thank you for coming. I want to encourage you to to, uh, be back with us uh, in the very near future. Stop by the Connection Center on your way out today. We have a gift that we would love to uh, send home with you. If you would like to give today before you leave, you can do so on your way out. You can always give online. Uh, You can give by text 77977. You can text uh, Harmony of Avon, all one word to that number, and you'll be able to give in just a matter of seconds, not minutes. You'll be able to do that. I want to thank you for your faithful support. Uh, The way people have mailed uh, gifts in, the way they're giving online, the way they're giving through the offering boxes on your way out, it's been absolutely incredible. Thank you for your faithfulness in all of those things, and thank you for making Harmony uh, a special place to be and and to be a part of. Uh, Real quickly, We've got a grief share coming up in, in the next few weeks. It's going to be uh, an incredible experience for those uh, that are, are dealing with loss uh, and, and navigating their way through that. Uh, we have a new team that's going to be leading it uh, this session just because of logistics, and, and, and we needed that. Uh, so it's going to be a, a good time, a, a very good session. I would encourage you to be 